All right, thank you so much. I love being out here. I have so many friends. Am I supposed to tell them to sit down? Sit down. <laughs> and uh, I, as, as some people know, not all of you know me, but uh, this morning I'm glad to be anywhere. <laughs> thank you, Lancaster Baptist Church faculty who prayed that I'd come up off of that deathbed. And if you don't believe in miracles, I must be a mirage. I was on the, on Christmas day, one year ago, I was put on a COVID ventilator. They said I wouldn't live. If he comes off in three days, he's got a chance. Seven days later, my eyes are so closed, I was still on the ventilator, not breathing on my own, and they said, I'm not gonna make it. I was on that ventilator for nine days, and then God opened my eyes. And uh, God does everything on purpose and for a purpose, amen? I was in the hospital for seven weeks. When I got out, I was still walking and wobbling on a walker. I was not able to return uh, to the pulpit, uh, but about uh, three months into that, uh, I returned part-time preaching just one message a week and then two and then three, uh, Dr. Getch, and I got stronger and stronger. And I want you to know that this morning, I'm as ready to run a marathon as I was before I got sick. You can take that for what it means. <laughs> I haven't run a marathon since I was your age. And and uh, I, uh, when I, I, I love to go to the coffee shop and watch students, Dr. R, and, and it brings back mes uh, memories. And, and uh, Dr. Getch and I go back far enough together. We studied a few hours together. And uh, Jack Treber and others uh, that were in our course, Doug Jackson. But uh, in our graduate year, we always Hebrew, the language of Hebrew, he Hebrew, uh, was an hour after chapel. So we all scheduled, those of us who are serious in passing that course, uh, we schedule that hour free and we go five days a week and we quiz each other over coffee, quiz, 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 go over the vocab, the vocab, the vocab, as it was a five day course. And uh, there were four of us and uh, out of 36 graduate students, one third of them flunked. And, and, and they're smart students. And there were four that aced the course. Guess which ones? The ones around that table, Dr. R. So the coffee place, the moral of this is the best place to study is the coffee shop. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But thank you for your prayers. And uh, I am mostly back. I do have uh, an occasional COVID cough. Uh, my memory, I don't know if it's because I'm 71, Doc, or, as, or if it's just because there's a little bit of leftover COVID, but it's fun blaming it on COVID. <laughs> but uh, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back, and, and uh, for a reason, and when God's ready, I'll make the exit the next time, amen. And um, I'd just soon be absent from this body anyway, it's wearing out fast. But uh, Dr. Getch, thank you for your influence. Dr. R, you've been my close friend for a long time. That goes clear back to Crown College. Am I allowed to say that word here? A Crown College. 
<laughs> and uh, uh, we met on a porch in a couple rocking chairs. 45 minutes later, we were best friends and, and we've been in contact every weekend since. I really prayed about what I would preach this morning and I, I do enjoy preaching uh, that camp meeting style once in a while. Uh, but I am a Yankee, so I'm not really good at it. Uh, but um, by the way, if you think it's chilly at my house, it's one degree. So thank God this morning for the little things. Amen. Amen. If I, I wanted to, when I came back to life, so to speak, I, I understood more than ever in my life, life is short and you only have a certain amount of time to get things done and preachers our age, we need to leave something for the next generation. We do, whether it's in preaching or writing, and I have uh, books like some do. If I were to write one more book, and I'm not gonna do that, I've, I've got four and that's taxed my, my mind enough. Uh, but uh, if I were to write one more book, I would have to steal a title of a well-known book. You may not know of it, but years and years and years and years ago, there was a book written, Things I Have Learned. And it was about the, uh, the life of Bob Jones uh, Jr., I think. Uh, I don't know if it was senior, but I think it was junior. Things I've Learned. And that's what the book was about. And uh, that's what I would do. But I'm not led to write that book. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, but as I began to pray, I understood it was important for me to give you something that you need more than me just beating you up from the word of God. Something I've learned, and this is what God uh, spoke to me about. I, I call this a, a grand and glorious opportunity. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, it says, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? The majority of us will suffer adversity at the hands of an enemy. And maybe once, more than once in your life, probably more than once in your life, all human leaders, and God's called us to be leaders on different levels, uh, whether you're a preacher or a preacher's wife, but whatever, all leaders have enemies once in a while. It's hard for you to even move in the Lord's work without aggravating somebody. But I have found that followers will have some enemies too. And even the mentally challenged will have enemies, people who just can't stop mocking their inabilities, which I think is a crime to mock somebody with limited abilities like that. But isn't it marvelous that God promised us that when we have enemies, he's still going to uh, continue to prepare a table in the presence of my, our enemies, so to speak. When I was in the hospital, don't look at me now, but when I was in the hospital, I lost 60 pounds. 
60. And when I came home, if I had one boiled egg a day, that was enough. When a Baptist preacher starts feeling better, he starts eating again. <laughs> Those 60 pounds just crept up one pound at a time, Dr. Getch. And here I am again, right where I started. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but I'm feeling pretty good. And uh, I, I enjoy eating, but I enjoy serving God more than eating. Enemies are no fun. Enemies are not just people or someone that doesn't like you. They despise you. They despise you. And uh, in other words, they hate you. There's always those, those uh, self-decepted deception of, of believers who justify their hate. And they know the Bible says, well, we, have to, we, we need to love somebody, because everybody, everybody, because that's what God tells us to do. So this is what they say. Have you ever heard someone, I love them, I just don't like them. That's not possible. That is not even true. I love them, but I do not like them. You cannot love whom you do not like. Enemies will twist everything you say. It starts when you're in school, grade school and high school. Say, oh man, I can't wait till I, I get to, uh, to Bible college. That'll be like heaven. All that'll be behind me. Do you live in a dorm? There's always something, and I love it. Uh, it was uh, Brother Bert that said, uh, you have a great spirit on campus this year. I know what it's like when there is not a great spirit. We've had years like that in our Christian school where we've had student bodies who just love being around them and uh, uh, it means there's not schisms and everybody's not at each other and they have a spirit of cooperation. But we've had school years, our, our school is about 22, 24 years old, I don't know, where it wasn't a nice year and I was glad that the year came to an end because there are always people that the devil works on and, and commissions them to make everybody else's life miserable. Enemies will twist everything you say and then they turn around and believe what they said. Enemies will misrepresent everything you do and then believe it. They will miss, uh, and they are very good at this, they always know exactly what the motivations of your heart is. And they're glad to misrepresent that. Oh, I know why they do that. I know why they do this or that. And they turned around and believed it. They use the worst adjectives in the dictionary to describe your character. As far as you're concerned and as far as you know, these are not nice people. At least your opinion of your enemy is not all that good. I don't know about you. I get up in the morning and I look in the mirror and I say, I don't know why anybody wouldn't like me. I like me. Right now, I have, not that I know of, I don't have any enemies and I've not had an enemy for 
quite a while, quite a while, but I've had a few. They will discredit your good name. <laughs> and then they, they feel it is their responsibility to share that with other people. Enemies are recruiters. Have you ever noticed that? They're too afraid to stand alone. They got to help justify. So not only do they despise you, they got to talk other people into despising you. And every enemy has this in common. They feel they are justified in the way they are. Sounds like we're describing the world and unsaved people, but sadly, there are any number of believers who aren't walking with God uh, and uh, they have taken themselves uh, on to be an enemy and this darkness inside of them, they have not overcome. First John 2, 11 says, but he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Enemies are blind people. Did you know that? They're blind. I overheard uh, some years ago, oh, people, you know how uh, my church doesn't feel led to go home after the services because they know the preacher locks up. I tried to sign that, but nobody wants to stay around that late. <laughs> But I, I love it when God's people love to be at God's house. And we have a fellowshipping church and, and uh, oh my, it just takes forever to empty out that building. But uh, I, you overhear conversations and I heard one nice brother counseling sort of another brother who was having a hard time. And uh, they were talking about Enemies, they didn't say that, but they were. And uh, uh, the, the younger one in the Lord, not the younger one, the younger one in the Lord says, well, what do you do? And this well-meaning, nice person said this, I, I don't let them ruin my day. I'm happy all the time. Well, that's not true of anybody, but I just don't let them ruin my day. I ignore enemies. Well, the problem is this, and this is what I want to help you with this morning, and I hope you will remember this till Jesus comes or until you leave. To ignore enemies is to ignore the instructions of Jesus Christ. To ignore your enemies is to ignore the instructions of Jesus Christ. Nice people are sometimes wrong too. So I have five things I wanna give you, but the overall idea is going to be making enemies your friends, making friends out of enemies, because that's what God wants us to do. And that is more important to this school than you think it is. And it's more important to your family and your church than you think it is because God depends on the unity of his people. And what we do is teamwork. Do you understand that? Do you understand that the house divided against itself cannot stand? Amen. So enemies actually, and this is how I, I have it on my, on my notes, Enemies are a grand and glorious opportunity. They really are. 
And here's the first one. Enemies are a grand and glorious opportunity to become more like Christ. To become more like Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 43. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye have loved them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so, but be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Matthew 5, 43 to 48. Most students of the word are familiar with this text. And we, we believe that's what we're supposed to do but we don't have opportunity very often to do what this text expects us to do. And reading it and understanding it is a lot easier than doing it. I mean, we're expected to love the unlovable. Do you know any unlovable people in here this morning? If you don't, wonderful. But everybody knows unlovable people. They're just hard to love. They make it hard. They're not very nice. But God expects us to love the unlovable, to be courteous to the rude, to bless those who do not deserve it, to do good to those who hate you, to pray for you, for those that despitefully use you and those that seek your destruction. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels, and mercies fulfill ye my joy that ye may be like-minded having the same love being uh, one, uh, one accord and of one mind let nothing be done through strife and vainglory but in lowliness of mind let each esteem each other better than themselves look not every man on his own things but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The Lord is not instructing us to avoid our enemies just so they don't ruin our day. God has instructions for us to ultimately make that enemy our friend. And by the way, after these many years, Brother Getch, in ministry, 
I can tell you this works. I don't have an enemy as far as I know right now because I've worked at it and when I see one developing, I go right into the God mode here, this instructions, and I start praying for them and loving them and doing things for them and I refuse, I refuse to become offended no matter how rude they are to me. And it works. It may take a while, but in time it will work. And I tell you that unity in this student body is important in all capital letters, no exceptions. So the Lord is instructing us to do these things. He knows that you are uh, too weak in the flesh to do it. He knows that it is unthinkable to even want to do it. I mean, who wants to be around somebody like that? But God says, that's okay, I understand. I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna help you. You will never have as many enemies as he did while he walked this earth, never. And I never have either. But God says, he says, I, I can help you. I wanna help you. Romans chapter 12, verse 20. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. It works. It's just not a verse in the Bible. It works. First Peter chapter three, verse eight. Through 10, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one for uh, of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye may that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Not only is a great opportunity to become like Christ, but number two, it's a great honor, uh, opportunity to make enemy an enemy a friend, a friend. Proverbs chapter 15, verse one. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. It is our nature to respond in kind verbally to those who have just insulted us and lo and behold to our face. A thousand varieties of uh, the phrase, well, you aren't so great either. It is so natural to us to respond that way to someone who is assaulting us in one way or another, but that is not Christ, that is not godly, and that is not God's plan. And you are not helping that person to become more like Christ by being like them. 
When you have enemies, you now have a ministry to people who need the light of the scriptures. And they just need joy back. You know, truthfully, enemies really don't enjoy being in enemies as much as they claim. They're just being proud, arrogant, and, and spoutful. But inside, they're miserable. They need your help, your ministry. And the Lord's trying to say, I'm going to help you to help them. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Boy, every pastor knows that. My door is open to everybody. And sometimes people come into my office that are not happy campers. And they say things that are not nice and they say things they ought never to say to the pastor or any other man of God. They're angry. By the way, anger will cause you to say things you should not say, things that ought not to be said, things that are not true. And it'll, if you're angry enough, it'll cause you to say things you don't even believe are true. That's why anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Anger will make a fool out of you. Proverbs 25, 21 and 22, if thine enemy hunger, give him bread to eat. If he be thirsty, give him water to drink, for thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. It might take weeks, it might take months, it might take years, but an enemy can be made a friend. And I'm not talking about political enemies or foreign enemies or, uh, you know, such as the world would think of enemies. I'm talking about God's people. How do you respond to people who should not be your enemy? You know? I'm not talking about uh, uh, OSU, Ohio State University versus Michigan State University. I mean, that choice is easy, easy right? Uh-oh. Oh, I, I hope that lady upstairs isn't listening. <laughs> There's somebody that says, is it really OSU all the way? And Michigan is a bad word. And oh, I remember her name, but I'm not going to say it. The longest it ever took me was two years. There was a man that left our church that, that despised me. Discredited me every opportunity he had and I knew it because you know feedback can come and, and I thought to myself this man is so miserable because he doesn't have the joy of the Lord and you can't have the joy of the Lord feeling like that towards a brother and I worked and worked on it and worked on it every time I saw him at Walmart now I hate Walmart Amen. it's hard enough to find stuff in there and then they have to change it around every two weeks and Walmart is not for men anyway, because it's for women shoppers. They want to look at everything. My wife can shop all day with $1 in her pocket. 
I'm glad that we have uh, another one in our town, uh, Walmart for men. Do you have one of those out here? Some people call it Bass Pro. Now I could wander all day in there with a dollar in my pocket. And we have a beautiful one in our, in our town. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, I, I actually have a COVID minute and I forgot why I brought that up even. Oh, I would see him from time to time in the store and I'd greet him in such a warm, enthusiastic way. I'd ask about his wife and his children and, and I, like he was my long lost friend. My secretary who was in heaven, the one at that time, used to say, I don't understand how you can treat people so wonderful who treat you, you so horribly. I said, I can't afford not to. Number one, I don't want to live like them. Number two, I need my own sins forgiven. And number two, three, there is a reward in doing God's work and God's way. And when you truly love people, it means loving the unlovable too. Two years later, he became my friend again. Six months later, he died of cancer. I'm glad he went to heaven with that off of his heart and off of his mind and mine too. You think you got tomorrow? You've heard 10 million preachers say, you don't know if you're gonna wake up tomorrow. Well, I'll tell you what, one morning I just about didn't. There are, I'm, I'm sure there are some people uh, in, in in here, Brother Weaver, he's, he, he's older than Moses' uncle. He could drop dead, he could drop dead at any minute. I knew him when he was a lot younger. <laughs> we knew him when we were both a lot younger. <laughs> Dr. R was never a lot younger. I look back at the chapters in my life, things I've learned, and this is so important. And I, I, I don't want you to just know the, the scriptures. I want you to learn and know how to do this and do this, and God will bless you. It's so important to your church. It's important to this church. It's important to your dorm. It might even be important to your dorm room. I don't know how many in the old days, I mean, they just piled kids into dorms, you know, whether it was Maranatha or Al's Anderson, you know. Were you there the year the, the, the men stayed in the old gym? Well, you'd lived at home, right? No, you'd lived in the you know, pile 50 of us guys in old gym. Look, I, I saw better army barracks. Enemies number three is a grand and glorious opportunity to strengthen the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark 3, 24 and 25, and if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. 
And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Romans 12, 18, if it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. God's work on every level is teamwork. He needs builders, not dividers. He needs contributors, not assaulters. He needs people like you to make this work here for the glory of God. Teamwork is so critical. You need to strengthen your dorm, strengthen your college, strengthen your family, your home church. First Corinthians 12, 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Lastly, and then I'm done, enemies are a grand and glorious opportunity to be peacemakers. God loves peacemakers. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the children of God. The reward is eternal. The reputation is earthly. Do not pass up the opportunity today to fix somebody, fix something with somebody. It's important to God. It's important to the school. It's more important to your family at home. Fix it. God will help you.